This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 382, recorded on December 13th, 2018. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios. Here in a, oh, I don't know, we have, we're having a warm-up mic. We got eight inches of snow last weekend, two weekends ago, and it stayed. But uh, mm. it's starting to warm up a little bit, and we're starting to lose. That's kind of nice. You, you're in Atlanta, right? You don't time. care. You don't care about snow. You're like, shut up on the weather. It's nice all the time here. Of course, we'll have some really good show notes tonight that Mike has put together and some links. We're going to talk about some Christmas gifts for your photographer friend or yourself. Like, it's going to be okay if that's if you're, if you're that's you in the family. And uh, so you want to check out the show notes. You can find them all out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Don't forget, you can also join us live on our mobile app. That may be something you just want to download and have and ready. If you're on the road and you want to listen Thursday nights, many of you travel for business and what you're doing, and it's hard to find podcasts that are live that you can actually find on your phone. Well, guess what? We built an app for you, super easy, streams. You don't have to do anything, but just click a button and you're in. It's free. HomeGadgetGeeks.com is the way to find it. There's a link for both Android and iOS. It's an app that installs right to your mobile device. Super easy to get it. Just download it and have it for that emergency. I don't know if you can if you can say listening to a podcast is an emergency situation, but if you're on the road, whatever, homegadgetgeeks.com. Mike Howard is with us today. JPEG DeRaw. Many of you know Mike's been on my podcast a ton. Mike, welcome times. back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Excited good. to talk about t- photography tonight. Yeah, no, it's always good. I think we kind of do this on an annual basis, kind of walk through some what's going on in photography tech, and I always appreciate it. But let's um, let's talk about your podcast, though, JPEG DeRaw. How's it going, and and what are you guys doing? Is it How's it doing, and what kind of stuff are we you doing? We actually have two uh, shows now. We have the one with Tim and I. I, I you know, if you watch our show, you probably know Tim. He's been on your show before, too. Where we the the regular JP Raw where we go over photography topics, have guests and whatever else. We have missed a few shows here and there as both Tim and I's day jobs get a little hectic, but you know we're still plugging along. The second show is with another guy, uh, much more talented than myself, where you know we have been hosting a photography contests in our beginners group and our regulars group for uh, several years now. And we use those photos to do a photo review show where the, my co-host there, uh, A.D. Wheeler, gives tips on how to improve the photos. He's very good at critiquing photos that makes you not feel like you've just been cut down. So he's, he's giving you positive feedback. I, he's much better at that than me. Mm-hmm. I think I look a lot of times look and focus on the negatives where he focuses on the positives and how you can make it even better. So um, that show we generally do Sunday nights. How do they, what's, where do we go? Are they both at jpegdaraw.com or how yep, do I find them? Both, both at jpegdaraw.com. Um, and then our, you know, our groups on Facebook where you can submit. And there's ways to submit the photo through uh, there too. December is our annual best of the year photo contest. So any, you know, you can choose any photo you've taken during the year of 2018 to enter into that contest. If you're new to the community uh, and you just, maybe you just found me and you haven't heard Mike before. And you're a photographer, even if you're not, you're a, an aspiring photographer or just think you might get into, into it as a hobby. I think, Mike, your podcast can handle entry level, oh, absolutely, beginners, yeah. intermediate, advanced, right? 
Yep. Tim, I would say Tim and I are both, um, you know, we're both amateurs for sure. And the more I do this, the more I realize I'm even more of an amateur than I thought. I've met so many talented people through this process that, you know, some of them have been doing it for a long time. Some of them are fairly new. And I'm all, you know, I'm no longer surprised, I should say, uh, meeting some of these talented people who haven't been in it that long, but yet are still way more talented than myself. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, I've, I've not discouraged by it anymore. I'm more inspired and, and you know, enjoy interacting with those people. Well, I think you and I both started podcasting because we wanted to hang out with smarter people mm -hmm. than us. And it was a way to invite folks on, you know, Home Gadget Geeks has always been about the guest. And uh, every once in a while, I get a chance to talk about some things that I'm doing. But in most cases, it's always been about the guest. And I, I always wanted to have folks on that knew more than me. And I would learn a ton through these, through these um, experiences that we have. And so I think your photography show is something very, very similar where mm -hmm. you have really talented guests. I've, I've watched from time to time. I try to sneak in on the live ones or, <laughs> or I'll watch a few recorded ones that pop up in my Facebook group. And, um, and it's, it's pretty awesome. So uh, good work out there. How long have you been doing it now? Uh, I think this, uh, I think we're six and a half years. Is that right? I think this, or is it seven and a half years? I got it on a calendar okay. somewhere because in the middle of June is when our anniversary is. And I, I think it may be, I think this year will be, I think we're seven and a half. So I think this June will be eight years. I think we're coming up on nine or something. I think I know we're behind yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's see, let me think about this for a second. It's 2018, right? And I think we started in 09. So I think this is our ninth year. Yeah. And I think December 5th. So I think actually last week's episode would be, would have been the ninth anniversary. We don't spend a lot of time recognizing those things anymore. We're coming up on 400 episodes and we'll probably blow through 400 like we blew through 300 and such. And I remember in the days we would make a big deal about 100 yep. and anymore you're like, well, 400 should be just the same show as 500 and 600. And when you are making other people a big deal, I think it's easy to just keep doing these things because there's just so much talent. That is out there. So 100 is the only one we did something special for. You know, we, and you're right. So after you do that, you kind of, yeah, I'm not going to do that it's anymore. A, but it's a big deal. We had um, our, on the first show, and you you probably remember our first show yeah. uh, was a disaster. I think but I helped you guys with that. You, you, yeah, you were helping us with that. Um, one of the co hosts, one of the guests, I should say, that I had on that first show came back as a guest on that show for a little while. And then we interacted. We had a couple other key guests um, during the years who come back as, as um, guests on that show. But ever since then, we just, you know, doesn't matter. We don't celebrate really anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think many do. And yeah. um, it just becomes another show. But I always appreciate, you know, the fact we've been doing this here for 380. This is 382, I think. And um, I just appreciate people keep listening. Like, yeah. you know, here's, we've got eight in the chat room and you're kind of like, okay, well, that's pretty cool that uh, every Thursday we're still able to pull this off. Mike, uh, in the photography world, I kind of ask you to say, you know, every year you come in, let's do a topic. Let's talk about kind of what's hot in photography. And so I'm not going to pretend to know anything. Like you have show notes. I know nothing. <laughs> so I'm going to turn this over to you. But what's hot in photography? What are people talking about? What are they arguing about? Well, I, I probably the hottest thing, and it's not necessarily new, uh, except for who's in it now, is the mirrorless versus DSLR. So if you don't know what that that is, you know, I've shown you my camera and you you like this little sound where it, it does that. Just do it, do it one more time for me. It's beautiful. <laughs> 
And what's happening in there, this is uh, a DSLR, digital single reflex lens or something like that. I, I, I forget the technical term. But there's actually a mirror in there that's flipping up and down. And that's that sound. And because of that physical mirror flipping up and down, this guy has to be a little bit wider and a little bit bigger. Now, I do have a – let me take this off so it's not – I like the battery grip. I'm not – I don't necessarily need a smaller camera. So when you take this off, it's not that big of a camera. Um, but the thickness has to be that way to let that that um, mirror flip up and down. The mirrorless cameras don't have a mirror, and they can be thinner and smaller. Um, up until recently, the main player in mirrorless has been Sony. So if you wanted a full frame, which is the size of the sensor, um, if you wanted a you know uh, more of a, a professional level mirrorless camera, Sony was really one of your only choices. This year, Nikon and Canon have both come up with their first, or in Nikon's case, first and second, um, mirrorless competitors to Sony. Um, and so the, the people were switching from Canon and, and Nikon to go to Sony. These two models from Canon and, and Nikon give people like me, who's a Nikon user, reasons not to, to leave and move over to Sony. Is there a fundamental advantage, Mike, when we think about going from mirror to mirrorless? Is what's so? What's the fundamental advantage? I mean, it, do I lose the click? If they're taking the click away, I'm not in favor of it. Let's just let's <laughs> well, just put it that way. I, I would tell you that in some situations, the click can be a distraction. So if you are shooting um, weddings or you're shooting something where you, you want to be as quiet as possible, some people say wildlife. I think that a lot of wildlife photographers will tell you the click doesn't bother the wildlife that much. There's enough ambient noise going on that it's not going to bother them that much. But, you know, if you think so, then that would help. The weight is going to generally be a little bit less. But the thing that's going to happen with when you say the weight's going to be less is once you, if you're tacking on a lens like this, okay. But once you tack on one of the big lenses, the, the, the weight issue is not the camera, it's the lens. And in most cases, in, in all Canon, Nikon, and Sony, there's not a lot of native mirror lens, mirrorless lenses yet that are of that smaller size. So you're typically using, you know, the, the regular DSLR lens that's going to be heavier when you get to the bigger lenses. Um, and in some cases, even the lightness of the camera could be a distraction. If you've got a big lens and you're putting it on certain kind of tripods, and I'll show you something later with, the, with uh, one of them. You may have a balance issue with that that lens because your camera's too light. You know, this one, which is going to be heavier than a uh, mirrorless camera, with one of my lenses, I have a balance issue unless I put this thing on there. So, so there's that. Now, the advantages. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say you're almost adding ballast, right? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to your camera when, when you're to to even it out. Yeah. the The advantages of a mirrorless, other than the, the size um, and the weight is also when you look through the viewfinder, when you look through this little guy in your camera, you are seeing um, a lot more detail in there. You know, basically whatever you can see on the back of your LCD, where you would see uh, the exposure and the histogram, which is like a, um, a graph representation of the exposure, and all those things that you would see maybe on the back of this, you're seeing through the viewfinder. So you're almost seeing the exact exposure you're going to get when you take the image when you're looking through a mirrorless viewfinder, because it's electronic. It is an electronic viewfinder. It's basically just this LCD through here. Hmm. On this camera, which is a DSLR, when you look through here, you, you're optically seeing everything. You're looking, and a mirror is bouncing stuff to look straight out here. 
So um, the disadvantage with that is you don't get some of that feedback you get with the mirrorless. The advantage is it is, um, you know, instantaneous. So action happens, you see it, you know, there's no delay. With um, mirrorless, there can be some delay. It's gotten much better over the years. You know, earlier there was, it was a little bit uh, more of a delay. It's gotten really much better and they're really rivaling this. What I would say, and what I've said on our show is, I would need a reason to move. I like this camera. And when I look at buying my next camera, I will look at a mirrorless and I will look at, you know, the, the other solutions from Nikon, because I'm going to stay with the Nikon brand. Um, which one of those two are for me the, the best um, for what I want to shoot? Yeah. And, and not move the mirrorless just because mirrorless is new hotness. Justin in the chat room says he really wants to get his hand on a mirrorless, but he doesn't want to have to replace the lenses. That's about $6,000 bill. So I'm assuming that's a comment because uh, the only option has been Sony. And so, uh, Justin, you can tell us what you are. I know that's a big deal in the in the yeah. photography community. But is that are, are there is it still as a mirrorless if I'm Nikon and I'm mirrorless, can I use my Nikon lenses and, and it's still like you can't use a canon lens on a nikon right and you can't use a sony lens on a canon right is that is that the way it is there may be some cases where you can with a certain adapter but you lose some of the capabilities of the lens but for uh if you're a nikon guy like me or a canon guy or girl or and you're a sony person um, let's stick with canon and nikon right now and you are you have a, a, a set of lenses for your dslr and you want to move to mirrorless there are adapters that they sell that you will get full functionality of that lens on that mirrorless camera. So yes, you can take that that lens. Now, if you decide I want to leave Canon and Nikon and move to Sony, yeah, you, you're going to need to rebuy some of those lenses. Those lenses are not going to work over there. How's the market for used lenses? Is that something like you could sell them and recoup that and purchase new ones? Or is that a... You're going you're gonna to lose. You're going to lose on that deal? Okay. okay. <laughs> you're gonna, I mean, it depends on the quality, how good you've kept it and how old the lens is. Um, but you can, you know, I don't know. I can't give you a percentage, but you're going to lose a, a good chunk on it. Is there a compelling reason if I'm a DLS, DSLR um, user today that is, is the technology improvement that much better that I would want to move to mirrorless um, and, and do it differently? I mean, what's the what prompts me but besides the sound? Is there really, what else is there to that one wants to make me move? Not for me. I mean, uh, you know, you look at some of the, the main things for, for me. I do landscape and in sports uh, and wildlife. In landscape, the dynamic range, which is how much light and darkness it can capture, the, 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 the range of that, um, is going to be dependent on, on, on the brand. So if you get a good Nikon or Canon, it's going to be just as good, if not better, than the Sony. Uh, mirrorless or, or non-mirrorless. Um, if you're talking about Focus speed that DSLRs used to have a huge lead in there. That lead has really shrunk, if if at all. So they're at least on par, depending on what quality. This one is one of the fastest focusing cameras out there. So you know, if you get a cheaper Sony or a cheaper Nikon or Canon uh, mirrorless, it'll outperform them. But they're, they're they do a good job of that. Um, the mirrorless ones generally have far better video capabilities. Uh, than than the DSLRs right now, because I mean um, it's like a video. I mean it, basically it really is a video camera, right? I mean it's kind of set up like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What and, about, what, so because of that, is there a battery life issue? I mean, now the, that I have another screen yeah. on there, right? I'm, I'm assuming it's taking more battery. 
Exactly. The battery life is less generally with a um, mirrorless camera. Because you're, I mean, just looking through the viewfinder, me looking through the viewfinder uses zero battery other than whatever, just having it powered on. Looking through the viewfinder of a mirrorless, you're, you're constantly running that little uh, LCD screen in there. It's pretty small. Do you, is the resolution good enough that it's like looking in the mirror? I mean, I think the modern, yeah, the modern ones are pretty good. It's, it's not as crisp as the mirror ones, but they've gotten much better uh, now. Uh, Justin says his reason is lighter and smaller for travel. So that could be a legitimate, you know, you can get more in a smaller space, right? They're lighter, they're thinner, they're they're like you're a backpacker or if you're not a person who's carrying around those big heavy lenses, if you're carrying around a 7200 and some of the other bigger lenses, the the DSLR versus the non-DSLR is not going to make that much of a difference. That lens is so heavy. But if you're carrying around smaller lenses, and you're looking for every ounce you can you can shave off, the mirrorless is definitely going to be less. And as more native mirrorless lenses come out, they'll be lighter than their DSLR counterparts too. So it'll it should get even better. You know, there is the big talk is whether mirrorless will kill off the DSLR. You know, yeah, like, I was going to say, are we headed towards a day when it, the other one will be gone? Well, you know, these guys, the cell phones, killed off the point-and-shoots for the most part. There's really no reason to buy one of these point-and-shoots anymore. Um, that that they could come. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to make a predict, prediction when, but, you know, the, the mirrorless are getting better and better, and they'll have more and more lenses over time. And, you know, as you make that decision on which one do I want to buy, I wouldn't, for my use, I wouldn't buy one of the new Nikon uh, ones. The, the Nikon came out with a Z6 and a Z7. Uh, the main difference is like megapixels and and a few other uh, settings. But there's some drawbacks to it that I wouldn't personally buy one of those two because they don't fit my use case. They may fit other people's use cases, but the next generation may. And when I go to buy my next camera, I'll look at which one fits my need. And at some point, I think that the mirrorless ones will hit most of our needs and the DSLRs will, will go away. So I, I think it it will eventually kill these guys off. Where where are we at at price for for these? Is it which is cheaper? Is it about the same? About the same. Yeah, you're not saving a lot of money going with that. I forget what the new the Z7 was. Um, Maybe somebody can look it up, but it's it's probably over three grand. I could see the new you know YouTubers leaning towards mirrorless because of Mm -hmm. the video capabilities that would come with it. The you know the many of them are setting them up. They're not really using the viewfinders anyways, and they're right. running as much video as they can out of these, right? Is that a is that a valid use case to think about, you know, somebody who's creating a lot of a lot of video? Probably for the Sony's. Okay. The the one of the mistakes that the Nikon and, and uh for that use case, the Nikon and Canon's made is see how this guy comes out? Mm-hmm. He doesn't flip. So a lot of YouTubers, a lot of people who are doing video themselves want that thing to flip out so they can see themselves in it. The This is not one of the mirrorless ones, okay. but the mirrorless one d- does this. Yeah. It won't flip out, so okay. you can't see it. Okay. I got to imagine the next generation, they'll they'll say, duh. Yeah, they'll say that. <laughs> we got to fix that. And then some other just really bad dis- design and uh, use cases. Um, for instance, this one will shoot nine frames a second. And with mirrorless, you should be able to do a very high frame uh, per second count. And they will tell you, I think the Nikons will do seven, eight, nine, whatever it is, but only five frames per second allow for autofocus and um, auto and exposure. 
So the rest of them is locked into whatever it was. So that's that's no good if you're into wildlife or sports. You know, what do I need that frame rate for if you're not going to autofocus during the whole frame? Mm-hmm. It's, it's no good. So for for my use case, that wouldn't work. If you say, I'm never, I, why do I need to ever shoot that many frames per second? Then that may work for you. If I'm new to photography and I'm just kind of starting to jump in and I and I have a choice and I may you know, I want to kind of get entry level, one, what would you recommend? And two, what kind of price points would be looking at if I was just starting to jump into photography? All three brands, um, and there's other brands that size these three. There's, there's Olympus, there's Fuji. But the, the Sony, the Nikon, the Canon, all of them have... Um, DSLRs, uh, well, no, maybe not Sony, but Canon and I kind of have DSLRs that are in the thousand to sub thousand range. So if you're just getting into it, you may want to look at those. I would advise if you don't have any glass, if you don't have any lenses, you may want to go somewhere where you can kind of play with all three and decide which one you want to go into. Sony is getting more and more glass and more and more lenses, and third parties are making more and more for them. You know, uh, Sigma, Tokina, and, and Tamron are making more lenses for the Sony. Uh, they already make them for Canon and Nikon. Um, and then, and then just choose from that. If you're not locked into one of these, you know, you can choose by which one feels better to you. I like the feel of an icon. I like the menu layout, but other people like the other brands. So it's, um, whatever brand works for you. I think if you already have a DSLR, you got to ask yourself, what would the new camera, whether it's another DSLR or whether it's a mirrorless, what will that thing do for you that you can't currently do with your current camera, assuming it's not broke? Um, because I think oftentimes, especially for amateurs like myself, the camera is not the thing holding me back. It's the guy using it. Yeah, it's the shots. It's the art, the artistry, right? Yeah. It, yeah. So, you know, we all have gear lust. I have plenty of gear lust. It's we'll like see, PC, we'll see some stuff in a minute. It's like our PC nerd <laughs> stuff, right? You can never have enough. I've got seven PCs here in the house, and you're kind of like, do I really need all of these? Yeah, I do, actually. No, I don't really. I don't. But yeah, uh, and yeah. Um, somebody out in chat saying that uh, hopefully three years before they replace the D7200. That's a great camera. That's a crop sensor camera. Um, th- if you think about the size of the the sensor, when we talk about crop or full frame, it's going back to the 35 millimeter days. Full frame is is like that 35 millimeter size. Crop, which is what mine is and what the 7200 is, um, is a smaller uh, sensor. Much, much larger. And why Why do you care about the size of the sensor? Um, main, one of the main reasons is, you okay? Yeah, you, I lost you there for just a second. Oh. You, you skipped a little bit. It's okay. Keep going. Okay. One of the main reasons you care about this, the sensor size is for noise. So if you're shooting in low light, if you ever shot in low light with your with this and you see all those little digital artifacts all over the place. It's grainy. Yeah, the grain, the grain, that's the noise. And the, the large, generally, the larger the sensor, the less noise. And there's some other benefits, too. Um, the benefit of a crop sensor, if you're shooting sports like, like me or you're shooting wildlife, is it packs all those megapixels into a tighter um, block. So if you think of uh, the lens being a circle, the edges of the lens is, is the area that has the most defects in it. If you're using a crop sensor, it uses this, this more of the center of the lens, which is the better part of the lens, and puts all those megapixels in that one spot. So it's not zooming, but it's putting all your megapixels in a smaller segment. So if I if this is a 22 megapixel, I think. If I had a 22 megapixel um, 
full frame, it would have all those megapixels spread out over a larger area. So this is smaller. So it gives the impression that it has zoomed in more. It really hasn't, but it gives that impression where I see it. So let's say in practical terms, I'm shooting a swimming event and I'm on the side, not, not looking straight down the lane. I'm at the side with a full frame. I can only go maybe two, three lanes in before I'm no longer tight on the, on the swimmer with a crop sensor. I can go one or two more lanes than that and still be tight on the swimmer. Kind of gives you a little more distance. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's pushing, it's squishing that together. Right. Get, getting more, getting more resolution. Could you say it that way? You say megapixels, but. More resolution in a smaller area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Which gives you the sense. impression that it's doing like a, a zoom, but it's, it's not really. There's a lot of debate over. What's I was going to really say, happening. I bet there's some, uh, there's either side of this equation where people are, no, it's, it's full fidelity. We need it pure. And there's others saying, no, but you get so much benefit if you, you know, right. Well, uh, the, the, the debate becomes over the, the words you use to describe the effect. Okay. People get very <laughs> upset about calling it, it's, digi- it's zooming in. I got more reach or whatever. Right. Um, I don't get tied up into that. I just know that I get more megapixels in a smaller area that makes it look like I've zoomed in more. And like I'm shooting a soccer event. I, with the same lens, I can get further reach and, and make that player more f- fill more of the frame than I could with a full frame. So, but I imagine then your setup changes kind of based on the camera that you have. So if you want to get it, if you're getting in a particular area and you want a tighter shot and you've got full frame, you're going to need to get closer and or, yeah. or adapt with lenses, right? Or adapt with lenses, yes. Ultimately, so we've been talking a lot about the camera, but you're right with the, the lens really ultimately becomes... Your, your biggest thing. So you decide, generally you decide on a brand, Canon, Nikon, Sony, Fuji, Olympus, whatever, and you start building up a lens collection around that brand. And the lenses become a bigger thing than the, the camera. So uh, they're out, he was talking about his D7200 um, and that he may trade in, uh, I'm, I'm saying that he Justin. I can't read. Justin. Okay, yes. Yep. You may re, um, trade in and aerosol and get a different, um, Nikon camera, but the lenses you'll probably keep, assuming you stay with Nikon, and you'll slowly get better and better lenses. And the the image quality is more dictated by the lens than it is by the camera. Okay. So there's equally amount of uh, decision making that goes into picking your your lenses as yes. there is picking to the body. Yeah, and it can be frustrating at times. You know, when you're you're talking about traveling with um, camera gear, and I traveled to Alaska this last year, it's you you want to take everything you got because you don't know what you're going to need. Right. But you, that's a lot of weight if you have yeah. a, a, a good amount of gear and a lot of stuff to haul around. So you bring what you think you might need, and then when you go out and in, into the town, I don't want to have to carry all that. So you're making sacrifices. What lens do I have? So I almost went with, I'm going to keep the 70 to 200 on here. And then if I want more of a wide angle, I'll just shoot it with my phone. Yeah, the phone the phone cameras have gotten really good yeah. for that, right? Especially in daylight. I mean, they're they're really good. Yeah, you got plenty of light. You, you're, you're not trying to get too much movement, right, in the picture. Although they handle movement really, really well as well. No, they've gotten, they've gotten really uh, good. Yes. Uh, anything else you'd add to that, Mike, to that discussion before we talk a little bit about software? Um, no, I think, I think we kind of covered that pretty good. How, how is, it seemed like a couple years ago, photography got real popular again and everybody was doing photography. Is it still, is it, 
is that still kind of going on or has it kind of waned back a little bit or I don't know what's your, how do you yeah, feel about the state? Ju- I don't know if I'm a good judge of that because the world I live in is yeah. I hang out with a lot of photographers and stuff. So for me, it still seems, um, you know, uh, uh, it's just as popular as it's ever been. Okay. So okay. maybe for, for people who don't aren't into it a lot, it'd be a better judge of that. I'm, yeah. I'm tainted, I guess. Hard for me to tell too, because I became aware of that world through you. Mm-hmm. As we started talking about it, I had no idea this was a, an underworld of all its own politics and all its own opinions. And, you know, it, it almost, uh, these holy wars that go on between the various companies. And, uh, but then I haven't paid too much attention to it, but it did, it did seem like at least on Facebook, a lot of photography businesses were starting. Everybody was kind of doing photography. And then it seems like it's back last couple of years. It's kind of, it's kind of back down. It's like podcasting, you know, mm-hmm. everybody podcasts for a while and then it kind of wanes back down and everybody does it again as it just follows these trends. So, um, I, I wouldn't have that going on. Yeah. I wouldn't have an opinion either. I think when we think about, um, uh, editing, uh, most people pretty much just focus on Adobe, but are there other options out there? What kind of stuff w- when we think about photo apps, what are you using? What are you finding successful? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So we've talked about lenses. We've talked about the camera, you know, hopefully you're shooting in raw in most cases and um, raw is like a digital negative. You need to be editing in something, you know, doing some kind of edit. If you're all you're doing is doing snapshots. So I would, I would put photos into two categories. Snapshots where you just, you know, I don't know, you don't care. So basically just snapping with your phone, but you're snapping with your DSLR. You're probably not doing a whole lot of edits on those, but ones you care more about or you've taken some time or some thought when you took the photo and not like setting up on a tripod and thinking it all through, but you know, you're trying to take a better photo. You want to do a little bit of editing. So you're right. Adobe with Lightroom and Photoshop have been the king forever. Um, and you can get them for fairly cheap now, nine ninety nine a month with the Adobe Photography Plan. Um, you do have to pay it every month, though, as when you stop paying it, you stop having access to the program. You do Photo- indeed. Your photos are still there, yeah, and you can edit them in something else, but you've lost access to the program. Uh, for me, obviously, I'm I'm going to pay it. I I want Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom. However, if you don't want to do that subscription thing, there are some good alternatives out there, and I would say look at. Um, on one is one, you know, it's O-N and the number one. That one is about $100, one-time fee, and I don't know what their upgrade policy is, but one-time fee, it will do raw edits, and it's, you know, I know a number of photographers who love that program. Uh, so on one is one. There's another one from Skyrim, I think is the name of the company, um, that does Luminar. It is more of a Lightroom competitor. Um, it doesn't have the digital asset management that Lightroom has. It's coming. Um, and that's where you can tag your images and basically use it, you know, the, you know for filing them and doing that kind of stuff, uh, which is a great feature in, in Lightroom. Um, but Luminar is another good one uh, that's out there. And then there's, you know, the, of course, the free one, GIMP. I've tried it. I just can't get myself to use it. But I know people who love it. So I look at on, uh, oh, and Luminar is like 60 bucks. Uh, so those those are two on one and Luminar are two good competitors to um, to the Adobe suite that you can look at. In the in the pre-show, you and I were talking a little bit about infrastructure, and everybody kind of wants to know. Longtime listeners of the show know your setup, but let's just real briefly. I mean, what in and certainly not every photographer. I mean, a lot of your storage is because you're a podcaster as well. 
but uh, let's talk. Let, give us kind of an update on on where you're storing this and how much storage you have for. It. So I, I have been an Unraid fan for coming close to a decade now. Okay. You know, um, you know, you and I have at least on my channel the Unraid. We did a little Unraid yeah. segment. No, 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 that's not true. But that the the Unraid show always are super popular. So whenever we do that, and I always get requests all the time. Talk about Unraid more. So it uh, it gets a lot of requests. I have been a fan of Unraid for close to a decade now, and and even more of a fan today than I was before because of some of the dockers that they've added and and some of that kind of stuff. But I have um, fifty eight terabyte in the in the server. It's about 61% full. Now, not, not all that's photos. Like the you rest said, of it's it, burst, right? It's burst coin. <laughs> that, I don't do any crypto. Yeah, I know. I don't I do know. Any crypto. You should, though. With all that's, no, I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think I'm up to about four terabyte of that is, is um, photos. There's a lot of video, podcast files, all my PCs in the house back up to that using a Cronus. Um, so there's, there's that kind of stuff. And I, I, don't, I don't know what else, but that's all what adds up yeah. to, what is that, like 20... I don't know what my used amount is, how to tell what I'm looking at. But yeah, so Unraid's deal for me. And then I back up from Unraid um, using um, Duplicati is a plugin that you can get uh, Docker to Backblaze B2. I don't back up the the the, the podcast files because that's almost, it's over 10 terabyte now. It's just too much. It would be expensive. What I do, if you remember back in the day, I had that little MediaSonic box mm -hmm. that talked about the, the external. The MediaSonic, that's the popular one. That, okay. we, our little short on the MediaSonic box. So if you want to know what happened popular. to those things, you liked them so much, Mike, yeah. they're all still in use. Even today, they're still running. None of them have died. What I use them for, they're plugged into the Unraid server and they're external, what they call unassigned drives. So I have a program that does a syncing of it. So when I write podcast files, I sync that to that... Um, to those Mediasonic things. And that way, at least I have a backup, even though it's really close to the Unraid server, it has a second copy of it. It's just too much for me to, to back up online. Well, it's, it's a lot of data. I mean, that it all of a sudden becomes a, a point, you know, I had, I had moved over to the Moro data box that, that for, for storage, one terabyte cache, and then everything else is on V2. And I think I'm at 1.8. It took a good week or two to yeah. get that thing populated. And then I have a one terabyte cap. So I had to be careful. You know, I started it with about five days to go in the cycle so I could yeah. use it, you know, and then, um, you know, uh, kind of follow up with it uh, in the next month. But yeah, that's certainly when you think about that much storage and storage that you want to have backup and you want to keep and you can need to have some redundancy. It gets to be a little bit of a challenge. I had it all backed up on CrashPlan until CrashPlan decided to delete it for me. Wow, that's a whole nother sad story. <laughs> so at that point I decided, plan. but you know, at that point I had to decide, you know, really want to go through the process of backing this all up again, that, that right. much. And what, you know, I really want to back up the stuff that's really important to me. Right. The podcast stuff is important to me, but I guess in a, in a worst case scenario, I still have all of those somewhere yeah. being hosted, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I could technically get the heart, the, the edited copy back. Yeah. I, I do back up all my podcast files, um, but we create, it's just one show for the most part. We've got some uh, separate frontiers in there as well, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not as, you know, it's not, they're not as big, a couple hundred megs for the video, really small audio files, just not as much there. So that works for me. Yeah. Mike, when you, you shoot, what do you, what do you like to shoot? I mean, what's your favorite thing when, when you think about what you look forward to now 
I haven't asked you this question in a long time. What do you What do you really like to shoot? I still love sports. I love shooting sports. I like the action. And I think maybe uh, one thing, I don't have to be quite as creative. <laughs> I like the action, but I like catching people that have more of emotion in their face, which is sometimes the candidates on the side, you know, um, some of the players that's going on. So I like sports, but because my kids have now grown and no longer play in sports, I can only do friends, kids, sports. So it's, it's you know, I don't do it as often. So I've gotten more into landscape and some wildlife photography too. Um, when, when you're I, like sports are hard, right? I mean, when we think about you like doing it, and I think you like finding interesting pictures in there, but lots of movement, lots of angles, lots of, you know, you can get a lot of shots from the sideline and soccer where you're all you're seeing is butts. So when you think of that, right? Yeah. When you, when you think about setting up a sports shot, when you're going to go out and do that, what kind of, like, what kind of advice would you give? What kind of tips would you give? I have to have uh, 10 tips there, Jim. It's almost like I had the show notes there. <laughs> <laughs> and let me see if I can get a I few. Said, I yeah, have... Mike, we didn't need to, we, you know, we didn't need to tell them we were going. There, <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll show a few photos as we go through, too, as I go to talk about some of these tips. Um, let's see if that works. Yep. Are you seeing yeah, the photo? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, the, I'll focus the, on it. The first thing I would say is get to the event early, whether it's your kid or whether it's a friend's kid, um, even if it's a, a sport you've shot before, get to the event early. Uh, I like to get there at least 30 minutes or, or more early. If it's um, my kid's sport, I typically can't get there quite as early because I'm taking them. But if it's not, you know, get there early. That allows you time to do some setup, to look at the, the area. You know, what's my exposure problem going to be? What's my, um, you know, white balance issues going to be? All those kind of things. You can spend time doing that. So th in this shot, they're definitely, you know, you can tell by her shirt, maybe, that they're in practice. They're just practicing. So this is a crappy shot. Um, but I, what I'm doing here is I'm starting to set up my white balance and I'm starting to get... Um, you know, the exposure set, this is in, indoor. So indoor in a gym, you would hope that it's nice, even lighting across the whole gym. Into your eyes, it may look that way. But not it's generally, it's gen yeah, not always. Generally, it is absolutely horrible levels of light and absolutely horrible quality of light. So you need some time to, to deal with that and get yourself set up. And I, I can also see, um, you know, where I want to place myself with that. Um I would recommend, especially for like basketball when you're shooting like this, is to bring more than one lens. So I will bring a 70 to 200. Um, and if you're doing indoors, you want as fast of a lens as you can. Um, what does that 70, mean? As fast so of a lens? In this case, when I'm talking about fast, if you ever look at your lens and you see on there, it says F 2.8 or F 5.6. That 2.8 or 5.6, those, those numbers you see is how big of an opening it has on the lens to allow light in. The lower the number, the more light is lighting in. So you want a 2.8 lens or better if you can. If you're shooting indoors in bas basketball like this and it's uh, there's not a whole lot of outside light coming in and you're coming in with an F4 lens or an F5.6 lens, you're going to really be fighting the, to get the, enough uh, exposure. So I will typically bring um, a 7200, which is a 2.8 lens, and probably an 85 millimeter 1.8 lens. That gives me you know, some, some different, depending on where the players are, where I'm going to be sitting, some choices on what lens I can use to, to shoot with. So that'd be my second tip. Um, the third and fourth tip kind of go together with, let's see if I can find these photos and get them in the right order. Uh, not that one. 
they're not in the right order. So hold on a second. No worries. <laughs> um, well, we can talk about we can talk about this one. Talking about the exposure. So when you're shooting indoors uh, with basketball, with this photo here and with this photo here, we'll we'll focus on this one. Um, basketball indoors, and where I'm saying set your exposure, you probably want to set it to a manual exposure, and you do this by um, getting there early and setting stuff up. Because if you look at these players as they're coming to dunk the ball, behind them are these two lights that are just glaring. And if you let the camera just decide the exposure for you, it's going to try and knock the exposure down so those lights aren't so bright. But when it does that, the players are going to be really dark and you're hardly going to be able to tell what they, you know, what's going on there. So this is why I would play with some of the exposure. You have some time to do it comfortably uh, where you're not under stress and, and you know, set that up. The next thing, and I have a photo here. You, you remember Kristen mm-hmm. uh, from show number one of, of J.P. Mm-hmm. She's pregnant here. So I do have to say that she's late stage pregnant. Uh, you know, set your white balance. She's holding what is a gray card. And I actually have it here behind me. I don't typically use this anymore. I have this thing you can see up here. Maybe well, you can't see me. We can can't because we know we've got the we've got her up there. I'll show you again when I come yeah, back. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll show you again when I come back. Well, she's holding a great card, and I can use that to set the white balance. If you're shooting indoors, or like in this is a um, a late evening baseball game with uh, you know the lighting for the field, the lighting quality is going to be awful. If you let it, the camera decide the white balance, you're going to get awful white balance. Um, so you want to set that manually, either set it to one consistent number, and then you can edit them all later on, or use a, a gray card like I'm using here to set it, you know, more um, precise. If it's out, if it's outdoors, you might go with auto. If it's daylight, there's um that's the same for podcasters, by the way. When you are setting up your your camera in, in a studio or however mm-hmm. you're doing it. A lot of people run, want to run the tendency. They want to be in front of wind, uh, glass, in front of, you know, they want to be, uh, they want to show what's outside their building. We see this all the time. Of course, that light uh, of coming in through the windows is much brighter than the light that's shining on them. Yeah. And so they get, we get really dark shadows on them. And these lights, these cameras, uh, some of them, the Logitechs have some white balance control and you can kind of work those things out to, manually correct for that. Although it will look like there's an explosion behind them because uh, that's going to get super bright. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's the same principle, which is interesting. You talk about this, you, ha- you have to, yeah. we always get, the, you want to get the lights ahead of you in front of you. I'm sure the same in photography, right? You want to get yeah. as it's much forward facing light as possible and get those, get the right angles so that you get the right, the right shadows. Yeah. And then uh, another tip, and and for me, I do this all the time, is to put your camera on auto um, to um, continuous focus. If, you know, on this one, it has a little button over here where I can set it to single focus, or I can set it to continuous focus, where um, I always live in continuous focus, where it just continue as you move the camera around, it's continuously focusing, Mm -hmm. where if you don't have it set that way, I focus here, and then I can move the camera wherever I want, and it won't refocus. Of course, you don't want that for sports. You want continuous focus. The, personally, I leave it in continuous focus um, because of the way I shoot. So I would say continuous focus. Um, scout, I think I mentioned this before, scout at a few locations that you can shoot in, you know, in a basketball game or any sport. They, your, your players that you're trying to shoot may not always be heading in the same direction or the action may not always be there. But you may, depending on the, the place you're shooting at, you may be limited on where you can shoot. 
Mike, See, when you're doing sports, do you shoot from a tripod or do you, is it all, is it all handheld? A lot, most places I are, maybe every place I've been to, they won't allow a tripod. Now you can use a monopod and I will often, depending on what size lens I'm using, I will use a monopod. And I have one of those and I have one I love and um, the Christmas ideas we'll, we'll show later. Sounds good. Now the next one is anticipate the action and you'll get that as you do some of the events more. Uh, shoot more this you know as, as you know what's going on this is not the action of swimming but it's on the side and i saw this mom talking to her daughter giving her prep talk or whatever and i knew something was about to happen and i was sitting there waiting and this scene happened for a split second the little girl just real quick put up her fingers and put them back down just real quick and i happened to see it happening and i just bam bam bam, bam shot like that and got it right at that key moment and this is nothing that you or probably anybody else cares about. You know, okay, it's a fine photo. The the mother loved this shot. That she did. I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> and unless I anticipated this coming up, I wouldn't have got. I wouldn't have got that. How did um, you? How did the? Are, when you're shooting for events like this, how do you share these so that parents can get? Well, what typically do you do, or how, or how do you do that? Uh, back in this day, we had our own website they had where they were putting it on, but we also put it in, we had a, a Facebook group for the team and I would put it there before that, when I was just shooting for my own kids, I had my own website where I would put up all the photos there and let the parents come and get the photos for free. Um, I would let them download full, you know, full res images. I wasn't doing it for money. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's a, it's a, it's a great service. I, I love you would, you know, to say capture the emotion, right, in in what you're doing in that picture of, oh. of that moment, the the thumbs up, and even that one, right, is is an authentic emotional moment, right? You know, yeah. oftentimes we, we live in a selfie generation right now, where or a very staged uh, generation where the pictures, yeah, the the and this is a captured moment of just reality, and and uh, it's touching. Right. I mean, it's just a touching moment. If you're, by the way, if you're listening to the audio version of this, apologize. I wish we could somehow get the pictures through to you on audio, but mm -hmm. you can head over to the YouTube channel. We do have, I don't know if I've said this all that much, but we do have a video RSS feed for Home Gadget Geeks. So if you're one of those that doesn't want to necessarily go to YouTube and watch it, but you want to subscribe to the video, we have a video, large video, small, usually four, 200 on the small, 400 megs on the big. And uh, it allows you to watch these things and watch the video. Oftentimes they are video focused. And, uh, and so if you want to do it that way, you can. Yeah, and, and you said candid. So these two people in this, in the scene had no idea I was watching them ready to take a photo. Um, and and candid, that was one of my other tips is it's not always on the, on the field action. So like in this shot here, this was somebody that was in the dugout and, uh, something was happening. I don't know if it was in the dugout or on the field that they thought was hilarious. I did convert it to black and white. And, um, yeah, you know, I think that's a great moment when you capture that. Mike, when you're shooting like this and you're going for emotion or you're trying to get candids, what do you think your ratio of good pictures to bad are? <laughs> and what do you do with the bad ones? So, you know, that that's a good, great question because I think if you look at some of the professional photographers, you think every snap is a is a masterpiece. And it's not. It you know, I'm sure their keeper rate is much higher than mine or, or a lot of ours. But even the best of photographers take plenty of, of crap. And what I would say is, you know, don't, don't just shoot and uh, pray. You know, don't, don't do that. So, you, you know, you want to have some um, thought there. But 
you know, I will often, maybe not in this kind of shot, but in, in sports, I'm banging off multiples at a time. Bang, 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 bang. Like that shot with a girl with a thumbs up, I probably took five images there. Some of them have her thumbs coming up. Some of them have them going back down. Uh, when you're shooting baseball players who are running up to a base, you want to continue to shoot because that action may go through the base. And you want to start before they hit the base and end after they hit the base. So you're, you know, hitting those those images as they go through. Um, so and with that, when you go back and look at them on screen, do you really want to see and publish all of those images? No, you're cutting out a lot of them. And you get butts. You get no one wants uh, most images that show the backside of a of a player is not that good. You know, you do in basketball, you get plenty of times where a player comes in front of the main player and they blocked your shot. So you're doing that. Yeah. You know, we're talking more about the um, anticipate the action. And this is a one of my bonus tips I was going to say. This is a tip for every beginner photographer, whether you're shooting sports or anything. Um, get down to the level of the subject. So if you're shooting uh, a, a cat, a dog, a child, or in this case, an athlete who's in the pool, um, get down to the subject's level. So if you take a photo of your dog or cat or child and you're standing above them, hovering over them, take a photo, take that photo and then get down to their level, take another photo, and you'll see you much prefer the one at their level. It makes a massive amount of difference. So in this case, I can't remember if I was laying on the pool deck, which is a little crazy, or I was sitting on the pool deck. Either way, I was getting drenched. But I did this because I I knew that when the, the swimmer came back, that she one of these swimmers were going to look back at the scoreboard because the scoreboard was behind me and they're going to look back. And I really wanted to get somebody who had just broken a record and they were super excited. I got this one where she was looking back and I'm down at her level. So it really gives it some, some added, um, you know, quality because I'm down at her level and then something else, this is going to be your super bonus tip. You ready for this one? Yeah. it on me. There is something called the rule of thirds. So if you, if you look at this image, and you superimpose over it like a tic-tac-toe board. I think that's the right, tic-tac-toe board. And you think about the lines that come vertical and horizontal. You typically want the subject not to be dead-centered, but to be in one of those thirds, to the left third or to the right third. And, and, And you want them looking toward the negative space. So in this case, she's in the right third, and she's looking toward the left third looking toward the left mm-hmm. so the negative space to, on her backside is where she's looking toward um and even more so where those lines intersect if you think about those horizontal and vertical lines where they intersect you really want them right on that line so if we if i was able to superimpose a, a little thirds on here you would see her eye one of her eyes is right on that that line how did i get it so good yeah, post processing. I mean, you get as good you get as good as you can in camera. You're not going to get unless you're just super good. You're not going to be able to do that in camera all the time. So, so this but, may be this may be cropped and moved right to get it in that in that. It's slightly cropped. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know you get it close. So I put her in the right, and I put her around where I thought that would be, and then I had to do a little bit of cropping to get her there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But but that, that that rule can apply and should apply to the some of the pictures you're taking on your phone and Absolutely. things we're putting yeah. on Instagram and on Facebook, right? You can have that. I never thought about where they're looking and looking to the negative third, right? Looking to the 
empty space that's in this picture. I, I had never, I hadn't thought of those. I, I'm a selfie guy. <laughs> okay, good enough. Send it off. But you'll see it in TV too. Um, very often in, in, in film or not very often in film or in photography, do you have somebody dead center? If you're doing a headshot for like a corporate headshot or an actor's headshot, yeah, they're probably dead center. But in most other things, they're, they're off. They're off to one of the sides. And me talking earlier about getting down to subjects level. Yeah, you don't have to use your DSLR to do that. You can use your phone. Try that with your phone. I'm, I'm going to move over, Mike. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to be in the, and then I'm looking, I'm looking into the negative space. How's that? They can't it see me little, on the video. It seems a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. Do I have any other photos to show here? No, I think I can go back to not sharing. Um, what about, um, go and share. what about shooting raw versus jpeg what this is why your show is called jpeg to raw yeah did, from the very beginning should i always shoot raw i think so in most cases that you should so the the term jpeg to raw um some people ask me does that mean i can convert my jpegs to raw no it, it doesn't the term meant a beginner starting off in jpeg who uh takes a journey in their photography journey and eventually shoots shoots raw and and the, loosely meaning the beginner to the the you know advanced person um in this day with the photo editors that you have uh lightroom being one of them on one luminar you know shooting in raw gives you so much more capability and the editing is not that much harder if you're shooting in jpeg it all those adjustments are baked into the image it does produce a much smaller image uh file size wise so if, if space is a premium that me may, may be something you got to think about um but it allows so much more latitude on the back end. So some people say a beginner should shoot JPEG and then maybe when you get more advanced, shoot RAW. Sometimes it may be the opposite. The beginner's making so many mistakes that RAW can save them later on. Yeah, I've gone yeah, out before. They have more data to do the post-production. That, or I've gone out before and for whatever reason, you know, you we all make mistakes. I set my white balance wrong and I get back and all of my images that was in a bright sunny day are blue. And if I shot that in JPEG, that blueness would be baked into the image. And now it's going to be um, much more difficult to get rid of it and make it good. But because I shot it in RAW, RAW doesn't care what white balance you chose. You can change it in you know, post-processing. And it, it's, you know that's just like a, a side setting that it puts in a RAW file. It's not really baked into the image. And if you want to know, you know, if you shoot, like in this one, I think a JPEG is going to be like 3 meg and a RAW is going to be like 20-something meg. The RAW just has a lot more data in it and a lot more latitude, a lot more dynamic range as far as the lights and darknesses can capture. So RAW just has a lot more capability than a JPEG. Some, some great tips there. Anything else you want to add to that? To the tips? Uh, nope. I think those I think those are good. Let's do I want to I'm gonna uh, do a transition, but I want the shutter transition. So let's okay. let's do let's do a little uh now it's time to talk about gifts. This one, you can do that for 200 frames. Really? Before it would need a one second pause and they can do it again. Well, why would it, why couldn't it just, what's the one second pause for? Do you think? I think, I think it's just because they don't want you to wear out the shutter or something. The buffer is, the buffer is good enough that it really can just continuous go forever oh, until you ran out great. of space. You, you right. should, you should have that sound in your show all the time. I, should, I listen I to it. I, that would be a good transition. I love that sound. It's Christmas time, uh, although you may be listening to this after Christmas. But these, so we'll say Christmas slash gift ideas for your for for your photographer friend. 
Mike has put this into inexpensive, kind of mid-ranged, and then uh, high-priced. And so uh, we'll have these in the show notes. Head out to theaveragegui.tv slash HGG382. We'll have links to them all that, that are all out there. Mike, are these... These Amazon will these Amazon links benefit you if you if I leave them in this way? They will. Uh, you don't have to do that. I no, just I'm gonna. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. My Amazon doesn't work. So okay. if you want to support JPEG and Mike and JPEG to Raw, uh, head out to the show notes. Click through so Mike benefits that uh, through that through uh, through Amazon. Let's start okay. with the inexpensive. Yeah, let's start with that. And uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight is things I've used, uh, things that I own, so um, I have something experience. So we'll go through them fairly quickly. One of, so one of the things you should get is a rocket blower. This little this little guy, something like ten bucks, and it's very helpful to clean off, you know, dust on your lenses. You use it all the time. I keep it in my bag and um, use it even sometimes if to clean out the sensor in there. You know, if you do that, do it upside down. Um, nine bucks or ten bucks. All right. Second is a, a card case. So. I have this little hard case. It's a hard plastic case. It seals really good. It's water resistant. And it holds, in my case, there's different kinds you can get. It holds um, three XQD cards, which this camera uses, and four, um, what are those, micro SD cards, which this camera also uses as a dual one. Dual one. That's about 12 bucks. There's different variations of this, but uh, it helps protect the, the, the cards. And uh, you can put it in your bag. And also, one of the things I do is, once I've used one, I will flip it over, so I can look at it and say, "Okay, that was used. I need to go to the next one." That's a good idea. Do you? So, um, I, I'm imagining they have all kinds of different uh, shells, or so to speak. You can get those in different, uh, different things based on sports teams or some other things. I would imagine, right? I would think so. Yeah. And, you know, th this one holds the XQD cards. If you don't use XQDs, there's other models that have whatever type of thing you're going to use. So very good. Okay. What's next? Oops, I just dropped something. Next is along the same lines as that rocket blower is a lens pen. And when you can't blow it off, blow it off is the first thing to do with that rocket blower. The next thing is you got this little, you got a, a brush that comes out where you can brush the lens and then you got a little thing where you can scrub the lens. So you, you don't want dirt and junk on your lens. So I would keep one of these. It's very small. It's only like nine bucks, whatever. And it's very good to have in the bag at all times to keep your lenses clean. Mike, could I use a paintbrush that I get from Menards? Uh, or Well, any any hardware store. Not everybody has Menards. But could, can, can I if I got a really soft paintbrush, would that work? You, you you might be able to. I I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> uh, you know, the, it's, the, it's fairly it's fairly sturdy. Yeah, uh, but the but the 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 lens the brush you're showing, optimally soft, right? To to right. make sure it's not scratching, it's not it's not an introducing any other foreign objects. Yeah, and you could say, well, I can just blow it with my mouth, and and maybe you could, but you may also moisture, right? put moisture on it that you don't yeah. want to. Um, so I'd be careful with that. You know, the rocket blower is so cheap and it, and it doesn't take up that much space. All right, next thing. Oh, I had it over here. Is if you're into landscape photography or nighttime photography or time-lapse photography or anything like that, you really need to get yourself a shutter release. And those are going to run depending on what brand you're using. I, I got the Nikon, of course, but there's there's ones for all, for everybody. Um, 
those are going to run you, you know, 30 to 50 bucks, somewhere in that kind of range. But it allows you to connect this to the to the camera and then use this, you know, the shutter thing to actually release the, the shutter. Uh, you can use, you can do something where you put it on, you're putting it on a tripod in this case. Um, you can do it where you use a timer and let it sit for a while, then shoot. Um, that's fine too. But I like to have it, you know, it takes up so much, so little space. I like to have this guy a good, um, you know, remote release. Is that so? Like, give me a just give me a scenario where you like. Where do you use that the most? The the shutter the extended shutter release. I do that when I'm going to have it on a tripod and I'm shooting uh, a longer exposure. So it's going to be instead of you know where you were hearing that earlier, click 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 click, you know, like that. Where I'm going to be taking you know one two seconds or, or more exposure, and I need it to be steady because if you see if you get back a blurry photo, if you ever got back a blurry photo, we all have. It's either because you couldn't hold it steady or the subject you're shooting was moving faster than your, your shutter would capture. Okay. Uh, this is going to stop the, you not holding it steady enough. And you, you know, if you're doing a long exposure, even though you think you have it on a tripod, you touching it, just pressing this button is introducing vibration. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And if it's a long shot, it's yep. going to, it's going to even maximize that exactly. vibration, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Okay. What's next? Okay. The next one, this is something I just discovered the last few months because of my, my co-host on that other show. And this is a diopter adjuster. So on the back of the camera, what you're looking through here, mine has a little diopter adjuster that you can pull out and change that. And what that does is for a guy who wears glasses, I can change that to be in focus based on my glasses. However, my glasses are strong enough that even at the maximum turn, it's still not in focus. So I have to wear my glasses when I shoot. But with this diopter adjustment, and you have to get the one that would work for you. I think I got the max, which is minus three or whatever I got. Um, when I put that on, I actually can now shoot without my glasses. It's like glasses for your, for your uh, camera. It is, and I, I love that. So I will often, now when I'm, I'm shooting, I do put this on like um, the little ropes that go around your, yeah. your, your neck so I can hang it down. So you're here. like 90. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I can shoot now without having my glasses on, which is so nice. It's a, it's a real change. Those are, you know, for the Nikon, this is under 20 bucks. Oh. No, that sounds really good. I mean, that'd be a really great gift for, for a photographer that had glasses. Yeah. I mean, like for me, that'd be great. I can't see anything, so. Yeah, it would uh, it would be good. Okay, the last one in the cheap section is you know we talked about the rocket blower, but sometimes even with the best methods of of changing lenses, you get dirt in on your your sensor. So we have to you can either send them off and have somebody else clean it for you, or you do it yourself. And I have the eye eye lead um, cleaner, and it's a little brush, a little not a real brush, but a little. Um, Thing you dab this, the sensor with, you're not actually touching the sensor. You're touching a um, a filter in front of the sensor. Um, but it's this little thing you dab it onto the sensor, and then you use these little white papers to then transfer it to the white paper and then go back and do it again. And it sounds scary if you're new to doing that. Um, and there's some precautions you got to take because you don't want that that mirror to flop down while you're in the middle of it. Uh, many cameras will have a, a mode that you can put it in that mode to stop to keep the, the, the mirror up while you're doing this. And that will allow you to clean it. Otherwise you're gonna be sending it off and paying whatever, you know, shipping and 
and whatever they're gonna charge to clean it. So something you gotta do every now and then. If you don't know whether you need to clean it or not, go up to a white wall or a nice blue sky, set your camera to like F22 and take a shot and go back and look at it. And I bet you'll see little specks all over the place. That's a good way of doing it. Okay, so those are for your your uncle who you kind of care about, yep. uh, and you know you want to spend twenty to twenty five bucks, maybe a little bit more uh, on that. But what about okay? This is family. I'm actually this isn't this isn't spouse or significant other money. This is maybe more of a better friend or an important friend. What would I spend? What could I get for them? Okay, this one. This one went with the cell phone, and I, I brought this before we went to Alaska, and I absolutely loved it. And it's a DJI Osmo 2, Mobile 2. It's only about 120 bucks, uh, cheaper than the original version. You know, you stick your cell phone in there, and this thing is absolutely fantastic for taking video. Um, as I was walking through different towns in Alaska or hanging out the side of a, a train, the, you, I have some video of me hanging outside of a train that was bouncing around, and I thought, this video is going to suck. And when I got back and looked at it, it is amazing how steady it is. It's not magic. You know, your walking is not going to completely go away, but it's just amazing how much better it is uh, than just regular holding it. Yeah, and that could be a – you could also use that as a selfie stick if you were yep. going to be doing – podcasting or some of those, some yeah. of those. Things, right? I bought two um, additions to it. One is a little foot that you can, you know, then you can put this down and time-lapse it, do something like that. And then I bought a little um, rope thing so I can hook it on there. Like when I was hanging out the side of a train, I had this around my wrist and this hooked onto here. That way, if I dropped it, <laughs> you yeah. know, I still have it. The phone's right. in there pretty tight. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about losing that, but I was worried about dropping the thing. Best to buy that like on Amazon or do I want to go into a, a, a store? I mean, do I want to go into a camera store for that? I bought it on Amazon. Um, you can look around where the best price is, but I, I bought it on Amazon. All right. The next next one is one that I mentioned earlier is that uh, monopod. I absolutely love this monopod. Where would you use a monopod? If you have a lens, like let's say the 70 to 200 or a bigger lens, that's just really too you know heavy to handhold. You get a monopod and the lens attaches to this. And then you are, you know, you're not in anybody's way because the monopod is like right at you. And um, you have freedom of movement all around. But this little guy, which is a S I R U I, however you pronounce that, P326, it all these sections are sections that you know expand out. It um has a little there's dirt in there. You see dirt falling, a little <laughs> spike. So if you're on dirt, you can you know do that to help you provide some stuff. And it's super light, hmm. and and it's so small compared to the one I had before. Folded down, it was probably this long, and it was aluminum, and it was much heavier. This little guy is super light. He's about ninety nine dollars, hundred dollars. And if you use a monopod a lot, this guy is awesome. I love him. So you had mentioned as you're you're bringing up the other one, you'd mentioned there's some places that don't allow for you to bring tripods in, but they'll let you bring monopods in. I've, so that's I've an, never had an issue with a monopod. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Why why do they forbid I tripods? Think, I think tripods, you know, people can trip over those so easy. Okay. I got you. Yeah, that yeah. no, that makes sense. And and they're more permanently they're they're you know, even though you can move them easily, they're more permanently set there. I bought a and I forget the name brand tripod from Target one time. And that has been the best little tripod that I have. And I think I spent 35 bucks on it. So <laughs> when, when we think about tripods, do I need to buy the most expensive? You've got one you're going to recommend, but 
what's the difference between a $30 or $35 tripod? I bought one of those Gorilla ones too, by the way, or whatever, that has the, you know, the arms that kind of bend on it. Those right. are super handy too. Is there a big difference between $35 and 300 bucks on a tripod? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think if you get, you know, I don't know what you use your $35 one for, but... Um, uh, C920 when I'm out. Okay. <laughs> Literally, it's like a little tiny camera, right? Let's for, just be... For something be super light like that, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I have an old Vivitar or whatever that, you know, that thing works great for super light stuff. But once you start putting some weight on there, um, they just really don't hold up well. And, they, and, you, and you say, well, they'll hold the camera up, but it adds, it doesn't get rid of the vibrations. You know, it, it's so, it introduces so much vibration into the camera and you, that's what you're trying to eliminate. So I would say... Be careful about skimping too much on a tripod and a ball head. Um, what I'm going to mention, the first ones I'm going to mention, you're probably going to say, holy crap, that's way too much money. But really, it's, it's, if you're looking for a quality tripod and ball head, it's not. So what the one I use for my mid-range, and I actually use this the most because I don't have the super big lenses. Um, so this works for almost all of my lenses. And it's Enduro. I don't know what model it is now. Um there will be a link in the show notes. Yeah, I don't know if they sell this exact model anymore. Back then, it was the AT113. Um, this Enduro was about 350 bucks, if I remember right, somewhere in that range. Uh, it is a, it has, you know, three sections, a center column, and then I had to buy the the ball head. So that did not include a ball head. I had to buy a ball head, which is Enduro BHD1. I think the BHD2 is what's out now, and that's going to be about another 200 dollars. So. You're looking at close to six hundred dollars, you know, for this setup, and this is um, more of a, a you know lighter end. If you're doing big lenses, you, you want something more steady than this. From what I have, this is pretty good. Yeah, so you're you're in six for a pretty good tripod if you're gonna you're gonna jump into this. But when you're talking about a two thousand or three thousand dollar camera. You probably want to put it on a pretty good tripod, I would imagine. It, it really comes down to the lens. So my biggest lens is a 200 to 500 millimeter Nikon or a 120 to 300 uh, Sigma. Those are heavy lenses. But when you look at the side of a football game and you see those guys with those massive lenses, yeah, this little guy won't do a good job holding it up. Okay. You'll need something bigger than a that. A little too heavy. Yeah, they and I don't. I have to look again. They probably are not using a tripod. They're probably using a monopod there. A monopod can hold up a lot of weight. Sure. Um, cause, yeah. And you're using a high shutter speed there too. Right. All right. So the next thing I had on there, um, let's get this because it's just sitting on top of it. So I need to do it next. A, a, an attachment for your tripod, which is this Wimberly Sidekick. So you, you first you move the. Oh, I got this too tight. Let's loosen that up a little bit. You move the ball head into this side notch. We tighten it up. And then you add this Wimberly sidekick to it. And what that does, when tighten this down so it doesn't fall off. This is the sidekick. There are full versions of this, this type of arm. But it's even more expensive because this one's about, uh, what did I say, $200, 250 mm -hmm. You attach your lens right here on this side. And it hangs off. And when you have it perfectly balanced, you can turn your lens, look up and look down and let go. And it will hold right there. It is so smooth. Mm -hmm. So if you have, this is where you have a bigger lens and you're shooting, I guess, whatever, uh, generally wildlife, but you know, whatever. Um, 
it allows a lot more freedom of movement than just having on our tripod or even a monopod. And it's really smooth. All the weight of the lenses and the camera is just gone because of the way you balance it on there. So, cool. Yeah, it, it is feels like magic when you have it set up right. <laughs> feels like <laughs> magic. Anything else in that? Uh, One in more the, thing. The, yeah, yeah. I, I got this also for my trip to Alaska. And bags are one of those things that two people hardly ever agree on. It's like keyboards. Uh, but I love the Think Tank brand of bags. And I got their Think Tank. I don't know. If, where's my camera? The Think Tank um, Airport Essentials. It has, you know, good. Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good pockets, good depth. It is built to fit in the overhead of just about every airplane that allows overhead storage. We never had any issues with it at all. It has lots of pockets and lots of other places. I ended up putting my little windbreaker jacket in here, the DJI Osmo, the lenses, all that stuff in this one little bag and carried it everywhere. Plus my travel information. Um, Bags matter, I think. It does. And, you know, I love that bag uh, traveling to Alaska. And, 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 and just around here now, I actually bought his big brother. Uh, I won't show you here, but it's, it's big brother. So that when I go, uh, one of the issues, if I want to put two big lenses in it, that one's really too small. So if I'm going to shoot a, a game where I want, really want both big of my, my two biggest lenses, I have that other bag that it's, it's huge, but it can hear, carry both of those. Justin, the chat room says he uses Peak Designs gear. I looked at them. Um, there's a lot of good, bad manufacturers out there. And I chose the, the, the Think Tank brand. All right. The next category, I said significant other, but let's be honest. This is for <laughs> ourselves, right? If we're going to, if we're buying equipment, you've got a couple recommendations, things that maybe after Christmas you should look for. Yeah. And so in the higher price, we could really go really high, but I kept it to just a few items here. So if you're looking at. <laughs> Can you hear Sarah behind me? I heard. Is she hey, watching? Hold it down. <laughs> is she watching a funny TV show? She, you know, it used to be this way all the time. I, I thought I had it. I thought I had it figured out that Thursdays between eight and, you know, 10, but she's over there just hollering. It's all right. It's, it's all right. It's yeah, fun. it's fine. Um, so we talked about tripods. I have a, a, a really nice carbon fiber tripod, which is this Gitzo one here. It is, I have foam pads on it to help it make it easier to carry. Um, I don't know how much this is coming into the frame. Yeah, you can see some of it. Uh, it is so heavy. I almost never use it anymore. <laughs> I use that other one. These are going to run you in the 800 plus range, depending on you know what all features you want. And that doesn't include the ball head. The ball head, in this case, is a really right stuff. I love their gear, but almost everything they have is super high priced. So this ball head, super smooth, can hold a lot of weight. It is the, um, what, what model is this? Uh, I had it written down. The, BH, the BH55. Uh, it's going to be in the 450, 450 range, so we're not kind of range, um, but it is a great, great ball head. They have, if you don't have a biggest tripod, like I had that Enduro on that other one, you don't have to put an Enduro on, on there. You can put any ball head you want, um, but you can get the smaller version of this ball head if you don't need that much uh, weight to it. And there's all kind of attachments you can get to it based on what kind of stuff you're shooting. So you can go hog wild with the spending there. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, but but tripods matter, and you know if you're if you're doing a lot of shooting, mm -hmm. um, I imagine those those pay off for themselves. 
They do. And then, you know, I could have included cameras in this in this list, but I decided not to include cameras. But I am going to include one lens, whether you're a Nikon, Canon, Sony, or whatever. I'm going to show the Nikon one, but uh, one of the lenses that is, for Nikon, is called one of the Holy Grail images, one of the um, 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 Holy Trinity or whatever they call it. I can't remember now. Holy Grail sounds good. Yeah. So there's three lenses, the Holy Trinity lenses in oh, Nikon you yeah. that you should have. This is one of those, and it's the, the 70 to 200. The, the 70 to 200, 2.8, you know, vibration reduction lens. You're going to want this. This is one, This is probably the lens I use the absolute most, the Nikon 70 to 200. Um, like I said, the Canon and Sony both have one too. It is a mainstay for many photographers, for even for lot, for um, for landscape. You wouldn't think that they would use something, a zoom like this, but zoom, uh, this can be a landscape lens too. Lots of wedding photographers, sports. It's used for a, a lot of different stuff. If you watch... The sidelines of a football game, they'll have that crazy big lens. But as the action gets close to them, you know, maybe they're in the end zone, the action gets close, they'll flip to that other camera that has a smaller lens on it. It may not look this big because you just saw him with that really big lens, but they probably have a 70 to 200 that they're using. Okay. So that's, that's kind of a standard. That's a $2,500 lens, right? It is. Um, so it's it's not cheap. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you're. Are there other lenses that, um, so if I've got that one and I'm looking at another one, should there be another one that I should have in my bag? It, it, you know, the, 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 tra the whole training that, that they were talking about for um, Nikon is the 70 to 200, the 24 to 70, and then I think it's a 16 to 24, I think is what the other one is. Um, I don't have those other two. I don't shoot a whole lot and need where I need that that zoom range. If you do, you got to determine what you want to shoot. For me, I wanted to do more wildlife, and when you go up to the Nikon 400 millimeter or, or 500 millimeter or 600 millimeter, those ones you see the, on the sidelines of football games, those are eight to twelve to fifteen thousand dollar lenses. Those are crazy. And so that, a, that may take a ten thousand dollar picture. <laughs> for know. those for those people, yeah, maybe. for those guys, yeah, uh, for me. Right. Who's doing it as a hobby has to pay for everything. That's not, that's not going to work. So in the Nikon range, there is a uh, a middle ground, so to say, and that is. Let me get this. Oh, hold on. Yeah, no worries. Well, well, he's reaching back. If you could only see all the gear that's behind him as he's bringing it up, you staged this gear nicely tonight, Mike. By the <laughs> yeah, way, yeah, I think it's all really close. But this is the the Nikon two hundred to five hundred. Um. I put, when I put this on, it'll look even more impressive. Nikon 200 to 500. You know, one, when we talk about zoom ranges, like 70 to 200, 200 to 500, there are some lenses you go, why would you get this versus like the 18 to 400? You know, the the more that space between the wide and the, and the zoom, the, the more of that is, like 18 to 400, or even 80 to 400, there's a Nikon 80 to 400. Generally, you end up with less quality uh, with those mega zooms. Um, this one, the trade-off and why it's only, I say only, but it's only $1,400 is because it is a F5.6 lens. Mm. So if you go out and shoot early mornings or late afternoons, you're going to have to, you know, bump up your ISO to get proper exposure. Um, so there is that trade-off, but it is fairly quick in the autofocus and, and, um, the quality image quality is really good. I can shoot it. At 5.6, I don't have to go stop down anymore. Uh, but at 5.6, it's, it's a good quality lens. Nice. Well, I think, uh, I think, do we, do we cover all the, 
Well, I think we covered all the gear. All right. Nicely done. Good, good work on that. Those, like I mentioned, um, yeah, this may be the first show we've actually made it through the show notes. Uh, I tried to push through. No, you did a great job. We've some of the other shows we've done in the past, we've had to skip through some things, but everything Mike talked about, including links that are available to get those on Amazon, at least here in the United States. And I'd appreciate you going out there and and doing that. That uh, helps Mike and his podcast and the thing. This stuff's not cheap. So, <laughs> so head out to the show notes, the average guy.tv slash HGG three, eight, two. And you can find all these links out there. We appreciate it. Mike, anything else we kind of missed before we kind of, Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of things we missed, oh, but yeah, yeah. any questions in chat or we can handle them in post too. Yeah. I also threw those links in the chat room. If you want to go out there, they're all available for you out there and, uh, and some good chat tonight. Uh, appreciate you. If you came out for the first time tonight, this is kind of what we do on home gadget geeks. Uh, we don't talk about photography every week, but we bring in folks who uh, are specialists or have a specialty in a certain area. Sometimes we, it's just Mike Weger and I chatting about the latest things that are going on in our in our setup or the things that we are doing. I actually this week I swapped my garage cam and my you know that Z Moto cam, and that Z Moto cam is a better outdoor outside watching the porch kind of cam. And I had that in the garage. I didn't need it. I didn't need it there. Like so we that we bought a Logitech. Was it Logitech? cams one night uh on the show we saw there were some cams available for like 17 bucks or something schoonover thank you for that kevin schoonover <laughs> and i bought one of those by the way that mounted really nicely i had that kind of jury rigged up in the window and it didn't really ever work right so i swapped those and uh and got the got the zmoto cam um, i'm gonna take it outside here this weekend but um, it's going to be out in uh, the front porch cam. And the one that should be in the garage is in the garage. It gives me a really nice picture in the garage. I was like, why did I set them up this way? <laughs> That's what we talk about here on Home Gadget Geeks. So if you're joining us for the first time uh, or your new listener, uh, welcome. And Mike, thanks for taking the evening mm-hmm. to, to hang out with us and to, uh, to do this thing. Hang tight for one second. Let me close this up and then we'll stay around for a little bit of post show. If you got questions, we won't do a crypto post show tonight. Um, uh, but if you have some questions for Mike around photography, uh, get those in the chat room and then we'll answer them in the post show. One of the things I'll remind you of, we're putting, we have put together a Fitbit group. Uh, if you have a Fitbit, yeah, Mike's got his, uh, right there. I have mine, actually mine's charging at the moment. I use Thursday nights as the night to charge it because I, <laughs> I don't need it on during the show. Uh, but if you want to be part of the Fit, Fitbit group, just uh, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. We'll connect and then I'll add you to the group and uh, just great way to kind of do some challenges. I'll be honest. I have not been doing challenges during this season because it's just so hard. But mm-hmm. as January rolls around, I'm sure we'll get to fired back up and get some opportunities to to get some of those going. Don't forget, if you want to financially support us and what we do here, while I mentioned Mike's uh, Amazon links are in the show notes, you can join us on Patreon as little as a dollar a month. Just a great way to head out there and support what we're doing here. It always makes me feel good when you do that. And so head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon if you want to do it that way. There's a Patreon link on there. No pressure. It's up to you. Not a big deal. I always appreciate it. It gives, it gives me the ability to buy some things here on the network when we need things or if things break or burn up or whatever. I haven't had anything burn up in a while. I, I've been, I, I need a piece of equipment just to kind of go up and smoke. But um uh, we appreciate your support on that um, as well. Don't forget if you have any questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, whatever, you, a couple of ways you can do that. Send me an email, jim at the average guy.tv. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Collison 
or you can join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash the average guy. Oftentimes, Mike Weger and I will pull from that group to bring it on shows when we don't have a guest. And so you might want to drop it in there. It's also a great place to get some great deals. So you might want to head over there if you're a deal hound and who isn't, who isn't a deal gadget geek. You might want to get out there and get that done. A reminder that the average guy TV platform, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove partners, get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. Of course, that's Christian. And he is a big part of what they do out there. Visit maplegrovepartners.com. If you need a hosting plan, 10 bucks a month gets you in. That gets you everything, just to be honest. I mean, he does a ton for you. So if you're thinking about doing that or switching or whatever, give him a call over there. Head out to maplegrovepartners.com. I mentioned the app in the beginning of the show, but get that downloaded, homegadgetgeeks.com. Just have it available on your phone in case you need it. And then, Mike, I, I've been telling you, so my daughter came home. I always end the show with a HelloFresh uh, um, commercial. And um, so my daughter's home. We were able to, on the app, we just upped the from two people to four. Yeah. And, um, and they delivered the stuff on Saturday. It holds out through the week. We got exactly what we wanted. I made some kind of, some kind of, uh, ground pork. What, what did we have? Oh, we had sweet potatoes that we microwaved and then you cut those in half. And then we made this really delicious kind of Southwest pork mixture. You know, it was kind of mm-hmm. pork and, uh, and, uh, uh, portobello. Is that right? No. Poblano peppers. So they're kind of between a jalapeno and a bell pepper, basically on heat. Mixed all those up. No, man, it was so delicious. I'm telling you, I, I got to stop. I'm, I'm, I think I'm gaining weight because of it. I'm just going to, I mean, although the great thing is it's just dinner and then you're done. Like there's no leftovers, right? They, they send you just enough. So Just the right portion. It is. It's pretty awesome. They sent me a deal for like a 20% or 25%. They have a holiday plan too that you can, like say you didn't want to mess around with buying the ingredients for Thanksgiving. You can buy the turkey stuff. You could buy, and you can do this at Christmas too. You can buy the sides or you can buy the desserts and they just ship it to you. And it's, 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 so I think we use a program like that. It may have been just that. And the food was fantastic. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, no, it's super good. And the, it's always fresh and, uh, and you can, you know, it, it's just, it's what you need, when you need it, how much you need. I mean, mm-hmm. I always watch these cooking shows and I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I could cook like, <laughs> it, like any of those guys. If someone, you know, poured, put all the portions out, well, guess what? HelloFresh does that for you. Yeah. Literally, you have just what you need to get it done. And uh, it's been great. So while Sammy's home, she just got home today from school. It's that time of the year. We just up it to four. Uh, four people. And so she, she helps us make it. She's kind of like a sous chef. And then um, we always have, because there's three of us and we have a four person meal, she always has her lunch for the next day. So she takes oh. a fourth of it, puts it in a container, throws it in the fridge and that's her lunch for the next day. So it works out. Awesome. So great. Three meals. We do three a week. works out perfect. I end up still getting pizza once a week, which is super awesome or eating out, right? It doesn't mean we don't do that, but a great way to get it done. So if you want to give it a try, I've got plenty of coupons. If you want to do it, hello, uh, at, at just well, if you want to check it out, hellofresh.com. Super easy. I was super skeptical when we started. I was like, yeah, because a friend of mine was like, yeah, to try this on, whatever. And I can't stop talking about it. It's pretty great. They don't sponsor us. I do make a little uh, affiliate uh, fee. If you do, if you do do that, I think you get 40 off and I get 30. But I got all kinds of crazy coupons. So send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. If you want to jump in on that, and we'd love to have you, you. go back and find out why we quit using. Dude, we loved it. Dude, it's so great. The one of the things it's been really good is it's 
we can cook together. Yeah. Like it's the, the instructions are laid out where, you know, I'll come home and she'll have started and I'm a terrible chopper and she's a really good chopper and I, she hates doing the meat and I'm really good at meat. So she'll always say, why don't you get the meat started? And you can just go to right that spot in the directions. It's like crayon, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like cooking for dummies, (laughs) you know? And it's like, mix this together. Look how good I am. (laughs) Yeah, no, you get like, it's crazy. We, I've gotten into even this idea of plating, you know, so how it's presented (laughs) when we, you know, we pull it off the stove, we put it down, we're drizzling things over Mm -hmm. it. And, and I'm like, and so then we sit down together, kids are gone. And so we sit down together and it's, you know, open up a bottle of wine or, or get a couple beers or shoot. Sometimes she'll do cocktails and it's made for a nice, like it, it has changed the dinner. It's changed dinner for us. And it's made it more of a couple, you know, a couple's thing as opposed to her just doing it or me just doing it. And let me, let me be honest when it's me, it's peanut butter and jelly. So <laughs> like, you know, um, I can make grilled cheese uh, or soup from Progresso. <laughs> Let's just be real clear about that. So it has changed it and it's, it's pretty great. And I, I just can't, you know, it's one of those things that's like, sometimes you're in this boat too, a little bit, your kids are gone. Yeah. You have a hard time finding things. Like it's always been about the kids. And then you're like, well, what do we do? We just stare at each other. And, or in Sarah's case, she was used to cooking meals for seven. Mm-hmm. It's two, you know, all our recipes were for an army. Yeah, And now she's like, I don't even know what to cook. And, you know, we, we'd make some big dishes and then, um, like it, we'd have leftovers. We, we couldn't oh, even we, eat all the leftovers. Yeah. And we get sick of it. it right. <laughs> we get sick of it. So it's been a great way to, it's been a great way just to get some fresh food and some fresh food ideas. Yeah. You know, that was the thing we it. liked so much. It was things that, uh, they're all good and lots of things that we would have never made ourselves. Yeah. No. Yeah, this thing I made, the sweet potato thing with the pork yeah. thing and the and the and the oil little made a little cream sauce thing. No, I'm not doing I'm not doing that. Like we made a we made this really delicious uh it was uh, it was like carrots and it was like a slaw, but it was made out of carrots and apples. Hmm. And we never would have done that. Like I never would have thought to do that. Now we're like that's become a kind of our favorite. She's making it now just off recipe and it's just a really delicious dish. And it's kind of changed the way I look at food, you know, and I'd become kind of like a Burger King guy. Like <laughs> fine food was when I got the uh, filet of fish from McDonald's <laughs> instead of the, uh, the, the cheeseburger. So uh, pretty great. Uh, send me an email, Jim at the average guy TV, and I'll, I'll send you the coupon. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here at the average guy TV live. Mike and I are, I think we have the next couple shows. Mike being Mike Weger and I have the next couple shows. Then Paul Brarin is coming back on. So pretty excited about that. And then and then Addie at the, I think, at the, no, she's she's here pretty quick. May even be next week. I'll have to take a look at that. And then, I think it is. And then uh, in, at the beginning of the year, Paul Brarin is coming back. And, of course, Paul always has some great stories. So you want to stay close by, come out and join us live or get subscribed on the channel. And we'd love to have you come out. Thanks to all of those, Justin, EJ, Cybermancer, Other Jim, Ryan, Tijoski, and everybody else who came out live tonight, we appreciate it. We'll be back next Thursday, another show. No breaks through the holiday because they're all early in the week. And uh, it won't affect Thursday recordings. So with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Good night.